learned that uh, as you think, so you are, and thinking appropriately about yourself as a Christian is essential if you're going to be what God wants you to be. Right thinking about God exists for the sake of right feelings for God. In that order. Logic exists for the sake of love. Reasoning exists for the sake of rejoicing. Doctrine exists for the sake of delight. Knowing the truth is the basis of admiring the truth. Both thinking and feeling are essential. They are not coordinate. And then we're live. We're live. We're live. <laughs> folks, this is Dive Deep. I'm George. And I'm Lance. And we are here to talk about the uh, scripture. Yes, we're going to talk about the yes. Bible. That's right. And we uh, we like to do this. And thankfully, we're kind of keeping a schedule again. I know. Isn't that crazy? I know. Didn't we do this like last month? Yeah. What kind of a weird know. schedule is that? Once a month? Yeah, that's what we, we planned on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kind of snuck up on us. Yeah. But it snuck up on us and then it beat us over the head with a blackjack. And, you know, yeah. we've been recovering ever since. Yeah, that's right. But we're here. So, yeah, tonight. And tonight, well, everybody knows that when you watch uh, Dive Deep or listen to it, we usually drink coffee. Yes, right? yes. So tonight we're drinking Brazil, Brazil Salmo Plus. Yeah, and it's very good. It's mm. it's a very deep taste. Yeah, yeah. But so. yeah. And by the way, for those who don't know, uh, he sells this stuff. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I tend to not want to just like promote it on the air, but yeah, freefreshcoffee.com. Yeah. Um, right. So, anyways, so we freaking could... fresh coffee, <laughs> and you can find that on all uh, media outlets. It, all media outlets. No, just probably just you know, you just go to freakingfreshcoffee.com yeah, yeah, if you're interested. Anyways, that name has got me into a little bit of trouble, you know, because people don't know what to do with it. They're like, it's the picture what? on the bag. It's, <laughs> it's not the name. You're going to have to go to the website to see the picture on the bag, exactly. though. You didn't watch some of those commercials he made. <laughs> I need to make more commercials, but, you know, those are a lot of work. I have ideas. I have ideas. So tonight, what are we talking about, George? We're going to talk about the law. What? And really, it's a two-part message. Yes, uh, two yes. Part. Uh, inquiry we're thinking because we're looking at uh, easter's coming up next month it is so our really our biggest goal is to talk about the gospel yes but we need to talk about the gospel in light of the law yes and more specifically on the reasons for the law Mm -hmm. the reason why the law was given Mm -hmm. uh what is the law's uh play now in life Mm -hmm. you know uh post christ but that'll be more Next time. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and and we, we might, we might have a special guest next time that we're really excited about. Yeah, but so we'll, we'll, planning on that. we'll uh, post that on the, you know, dive yeah, deep exactly. when we, uh, when we actually get confirmation. So anyways, but, but the, tonight we want to talk not only about the law, but we also want to talk about the fall of man. Yes. Because yes. Really. You know, why did the law have to come about yeah, anyways? Right. Why did this grand, uh, it's a big story. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The scriptures are not just technical books. No. Uh, they're not just law books. They're not just poetry. Uh, the, all of the scripture goes together and tells the same story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that story is about the fall mm-hmm. and the redemption of mankind. Right. And what right. we can expect in the future. Oh, yeah. Both yeah. good and bad. So we're going to start then at the beginning with the fall. And we're right. going to kind of discuss that for a little bit. Then we're going to go into what the what the law is 
and why it's why it was given and kind of yeah. what the nuts and bolts of the law are. And then next time we're going to be discussing in that in relationship to the gospel. Right. And, and so. people out there who maybe are not believers, they don't they understand the law is it's what do you mean? the law? Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. I know the law of the driving manuals. Yeah, exactly. Laws and the law is, is a broad term um, that really covers um, uh, the way that the Jewish people prior to Christ coming, Mm -hmm. God gave it to Moses. And as they were led out of Egypt, out of captivity, and the symbolisms were very, very, um, uh, how shall I say it? There's a lot of types and shadows, a lot of things that uh, mean things that is just deeper than what the Israelites have faced at that time. But needless to say, it it encompassed the Ten Commandments. It encompassed Setting up a priest system encompassed mm-hmm. sacrifice, sacrifice. Yeah, so the law mm-hmm. contained the first five, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Right. And uh, then you would often hear inside the New Testament, you'd hear them talk about the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. And that referred to the wisdom literature and the apocalyptic literature and the... Where you would find, you know, uh, Jonah and yes. you would have yes. Ezekiel and you yes. would have Hosea. And then you have the history books of the first and second Kings and mm-hmm. Samuel mm-hmm. would be a prophet book. So all of those things kind of make, well, make up the old Testament, but the law in it, in, in its proper thing, wasn't just rules and regulations. No, no, it was, a, it was much deeper than that. And that's kind of the yeah. point. Well, I'm, you're talking about the sacrificial system. That was I'm, part of the law, the, yeah. the, the priesthood, the, the, all of those things go together to make what we call the law. So as we're rolling back, we've, we've kind of discussed what the law is for the for the non-believer, um, and even though the believer who hasn't really delved deeply into this, but as we're rolling back, we need to ask certain crucial questions, which we can answer once we deal with the fall of man. But that one of the first crucial questions is, why was Sodom and Gomorrah judged before the law revealed that? Uh, homosexuality is an abomination and being uh, ha- lacking in courtesy and kindness was was evil, right? Mm-hmm. Before that, before the law clearly enumerated those things, why was Sodom and Gomorrah punished? So let's, let's uh, I, I think to answer that, we need to go back to the beginning. We do. And before we go into that, in college, um, there was Christians and I went to a secular school. So uh, well-meaning believers mm-hmm. that... Um, they had a hard time with a secular class, a secular professor coming from a, a worldly view, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, we'd get into a some kind of a sticky conversation about some kind of uh, problem that society was facing, you know, and it was looked at from a progressive mindset. And the Christians would say, or some would say, well, Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. And the professor mm-hmm. said, what's the question? <laughs> See, he probably answer to what? came up with that one day and just was like, I love this so much because these Christians can't answer it every time. Uh, exactly. Jesus is the answer. Well, what's the question then? Right. Uh, uh. So we have to describe, we have to give the question and the answer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the question is really is, is this. We may not give the answer this we won't. one. Yeah. <laughs> this time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not the full answer. Okay. So going back in time. What's the question though? The question is, how did mankind get into the situation that we find ourselves in? Yes. Why is there somebody called Jesus yes. who came and died and said he was the son of God and rose mm-hmm. again on the third day and is now in heaven and all that believe in him become saved 
and we'll live eternally. What does that mean and how do we get there? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So let's go Why does back. it need to be that way in the first place right. is what you're asking. Well, that's because God made it that way. Well, yes, but we're talking about the, the fall of man. The fall of man. Everybody knows the Garden of Eden story. Yeah, it's kind of burned into just general Western yeah. society mythos. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, even in those who don't believe, Christianity would have heard Adam and Eve, right? So God decided that he was going to make the world, and he made the world. He made the world in seven days. Sorry, yeah, I'm getting, getting a few complaints here, Sorry. namely from Sarah. God made the world in seven days. Uh, on the seventh day, he decided that he was going to finish up. Yes, yes. Uh, six days, though, man was made. Okay? Yes. So we had man made on day six, and his name was Adam. Um, he had some jobs. You know, we're not, I don't want to oversimplify the fact that he stood in a garden. And all he did was look at animals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just fellowship with God. It, it wasn't that simple. Okay. But it was glorious nonetheless. However, Adam found himself lonely mm. and God knew that after saying everything was good, that the earth was good. The animals are good. Everything's great except Adam appears lonely. So Adam then uh, was surgically put to sleep i don't know not surgically he was just put to sleep and yeah god wasn't like (laughs) he was a rib was taken out of his side right and from that point he made a another human being Mm -hmm. named eve yeah who is are you trying to make all the feminist mad just just biologically (laughs) female yes by oh man now you're making other groups mad okay and from a man yeah a woman came, not inferior, not any kind of slight. And in in many ways, the Hebrew word for Adam changed its meaning as well when uh, Adam became both male and female, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. The, the, the protogenitors of the human race. Right. So they were in the garden. They're fellowshipping with God. Mm-hmm. God, gave, God gave some rules, right? He says, you know, don't eat from the tree in the center of the garden that's called... The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't do that. Don't do that. Eve was tempted. Mm-hmm. And all of you, all of you that are saying, "Hey, I'm not getting it right." This is a paraphrase, and you yeah. can find this in Genesis. <laughs> yeah, you can read the one. the account in Genesis. Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyways, isn't it Genesis two? Yeah, it's between one and four. Yeah, it's somewhere. Yeah, the whole story is the early part of the Bible. Yeah, just read the whole thing. So, here we have uh, the those two found themselves. With a rule says, "Don't eat from that knowledge of good and true, uh, knowledge mm-hmm. of good mm-hmm. and evil." So somehow Eve finds herself isolated. Some would say, "No, Adam was right beside her." I don't know. I just know that there's this uh, being called a serpent mm-hmm. that came and talked to Eve. Mm-hmm. Now, why this thing came out of the blue? Why it, it had nefarious plans? Why it seemingly takes on the form or the uh, character of what we would call Satan, mm-hmm. the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, these are questions we're not going to even try to answer. Today. Right, right. We only have an hour. Yeah. And then, so, and that'll be, and if we started to try to yeah. dive that deeply, we'd be getting into exactly. the problems of evil. We'd be getting problems of pain. And then we'd be getting into where the origins of you. I was just like, okay, we, we got to, we got to pump the brakes somewhere. Right. So Eve was, was fooled into taking from the fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat. Right, right. And she gave gave in, 
to the words of, of what we would call, quote, Satan. Mm-hmm. And she ate it and then gave the fruit to Adam. Mm-hmm. And there's no dialogue on what happened there. Right. But the fact is, at that point, that disobedience brought about death. And God warned that if you do eat from that tree, you'll surely die. Yes. And, and he wasn't lying. No. It was so a true statement. It And what we found out in just looking back in hindsight, death wasn't just death of the physical body. It was called death in eternal mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So that sin then that they committed opened up those two and their children and those children after those children and all the way down through the generations because through one man many were made sinners many were made sinners yes through just having the biology the biological aspect of humanity corrupted yeah it's uh, with disobedience to god it, it, adam is as the bible refers to jesus and adam sort of kind of counterposed to each other. Mm-hmm. Adam is the federal head of the human race. He represents us. And his sin, original sin, is passed down throughout the entire human race. Right. And uh, we'll get into this next time, right? A little yes. bit. But Jesus is the second Adam and represents us in righteousness. Right. But So that's where we found our, find ourselves. So because huma- humanity then was exposed to uh, to sin and that it is a passed down generational problem okay that creates issues now with mankind's relationship to god so i had in my, in my studies uh, i had kind of distilled down some of the effects and i put it down into three different related three areas uh, the effects of the fall of man on mankind in general there was relationship issues that took place. Mm-hmm. There was what we have actually become as human beings. And then there's also this fact of what is the future lie for mankind because of what Adam and Eve did. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read some of these things. And this will kind of give us a synopsis of the state of mankind without God. Now, everything I'm going to talk about is the unregenerate man. That person or woman, uh, that man or woman who is without Christ, who does not have, who is not considered a believer, a Christian. And we'll get into that next time more. But this is the general lot of humanity. And I think, be honest with you, I think as I read down through here, you can see this in modern day society. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can see it back then, we can see it yeah, today. You can see it all over. So, what did, uh, what does sin nature, our sin nature, have on our relationship with God? Uh, and I'm going to use me. I'm going to include that in as if I'm part of that group. We now um, burden God with our sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now wearying God with our iniquities. Mm-hmm. Um, we were considered a risk in the Garden of Eden and had to be cast out mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we could not eat from the tree of, mm-hmm. of life and cement our fate, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are now not heard. God doesn't hear us. We are now separate from God. When we call, and generally we don't call now, mm-hmm. we're not finding God. We are now given over into the power of our iniquities. We are also now given over to our own stubborn hearts and plans. We are now left to eat of the fruit of our own way and be filled with our own schemes. We are now turned over to Satan himself. That's the relationship that was damaged. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about why the reconciliation. 
and the atonement has repaired all of those points. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Now, what have we become because of sin? <clears throat> because of sin, we have no righteousness. Right. Uh, we could actually read um, go ahead. Romans 3. Yeah, I'm going to stop. We could read Romans okay. 3 and we could just, we, I mean, really, when I, when I was doing the uh, studying for this, I started to, I was looking for resources. I'm like, I'm first looking for, you know, biblical resources. I look for outside resources. I'm going all over the place. And I realized, you know, just the whole book of Romans is pretty much what I was looking for. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, Paul got, oh, Paul, oh, yeah, Paul. And it just kept, you know, like going salt down. salt and pepper to Hebrews. I know, seriously. Well, yeah. Hebrews... And Romans and Galatians are like the the one, two, three punch for the law. But Paul writes in Romans 3, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if they, some were unfaithful? Does their unfaithfulness or does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, that you, that you may be justified in your words and prevail in your judge when you judge, when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God. What shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means. For then, how could God judge the world? But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? Why And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their, con their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have, all for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, by the way, that's everyone, that's Paul saying everybody, uh, are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they have used their tongues to deceive, the venom of asps is under their lips, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, in their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes eyes that is a oh. cyclops <laughs> i should say a cyclops no, uh, that's a one-eyed person that, that is yeah a, that's fine. that's a, uh, a summary of a depraved mind it's it okay. is just this soul wrenching reality that paul just it's like a fire hose like paul picked up a fire hose and went oh you want to know the truth and he opened it full blast so we have become what he's read in Romans, mm -hmm. but we continually, we, we have no understanding. To, uh, we have turned aside. We're useless. We're not good. Our words are poison, as what was just mm -hmm. read there. Mm -hmm. The venom of asps is under their lips. We do not know peace. There's no fear of God. Mm -hmm. We're helpless. We are enemies of God. Right. We're, right. As it uh, says in Ephesians mm -hmm. 2. Death and sin continue to spread in our generations. Yes. Uh, we die because we're bound in sin, and the only way that we can be freed from sin is our own physical death. Right. Um, and we are worshipers of the creation and not God. We dishonor ourselves through lust, sexual perversion. Um, our minds are depraved, and that's what, you, that's what you've read. Mm -hmm. And we endorse all of these things in the lives of others. So, because we like to do that, 
Exactly. So, like in Romans 1, it says, Paul says, and they gave hearty approval to those who were doing these things. So when we read that, when we understand about that about ourselves, we can now start to understand better. Sin doesn't just come when it has opportunity. Sin flows freely out of our hearts. It so we flows freely. Paint, we wanted to paint this picture of reason because I, when we say Jesus is the answer or another uh, slogan is Jesus saves. And the idea is saves from what? Well, I've just yeah. described to you that, that the relationship with God has been severed. And because we have, because of that, there's consequences now in our own lives and that we are physically, emotionally, and spiritually changed from who we once were supposed to be. Mm. And that is a very, very important fact. And then finally, what is it that sinners need to face? What are, what are we, what is our future? So the answer to that question has to be found in an examination of who God is. So we know who we are, right? We've, we've, we've delved into the depravity of humankind and you can see it all around you. There's, there's every philosopher in all of history is like, well, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong. We know that there's something wrong, and we, the Bible has now told us what it is. Now we have an even greater problem, though, because we face a God who will not let any injustice go unpunished. Well, he, he and can't. that is he, exactly that's the main point. He, he, he cannot. If God is who He says He is, an infinitely holy and just God, if He is who He says He is, which throughout the whole entire Bible we read over and over and over again about the perfection and the holiness and the and God being holy, 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 He is absolutely magnificent and wonderful, he can never let any sin go unpunished. And, and, and imagine with me, if you will, you were to be a perfect human. We're a perfect human being. Very, very nice. We're all perfect. We're perfect, except for that guy over there who is just the most horrible person ever. And he faces a judge. What if that person who's the most horrible person ever was to face a judge and we know he's guilty. The judge knows he's guilty, but the judge goes, well, <laughs> you know what? We need to be kind of, we need to be kind. We need to be gentle. I'm just going to let this guy go free. You know, I, I know he's guilty, but we need to, would we in that moment, especially if we were victims of his, would we go, yeah, that's right. We do need to be kind and gentle. No, we would be livid as we've seen so many times before the in the intuitive of in our heart we intuit that justice must take place it's actually the 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 core call of so many people nowadays even though they've distorted what justice is but nevertheless justice must take place we know it in our hearts we know it must take place and when we don't see it take place we know something is wrong so Somebody has to enact justice, but here's so the problem. What we, how is that going to take place in the life of fallen man? Yeah. Well, it, all men are under condemnation because of sin. Yes. Because God said in the garden, if you eat from this tree, mm -hmm. you will surely die. And that really means you will die because of your disobedience. Right. And that's right. that sin. That and place. When, when we say, when, when, you know, we give hearty approvals, like, oh, yeah, justice must be done. We must do justice. Then basically the finger turns back and says, and that means you must be judged eternally. And people are like, oh, so oh, what, <laughs> what? And it just doesn't get off where you just biologically die and go back into the dust. Right, right, right. Uh, we should only be yeah. so lucky. <laughs> God didn't really make that surely die and say, well, yeah, your, your, your systems will shut down. You go back to dirt. Yeah, no. yeah. 
because God breathed his spirit into Adam. And that forever changed that that biological creature's destiny. Yeah. You know he gave us his eternity. His spirit. Right? Yes. Yeah, he gave us eternity. So we're yeah. not we're not just beings that that like animals that come live for a brief moment in the grand scheme of history and then just disappear. We continue on in a spiritual sense. We mm-hmm. continue on. Because we're the only creatures that had God's breath breathed in. Right. Them. Right. So that becomes Another major issue. Now we continue on forever. Where are we going to continue on forever if we are being judged for sinning against an infinitely holy God? So before that happens, there's something called the wrath of God that awaits mankind. And we know that the wages of sin is death. And we know that we're bound for judgment. That means we have a death sentence on us Mm -hmm. just because our Family lineage is Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are convicted by the law of sin and death, and we're going to be judged by it. We're going to be judged by the law. There's a place in Scripture that says, the Father has committed all judgment to the Son, and my judgment is just. And Jesus is talking about that. And where do you think Jesus is going to judge unregenerate man from? You got two two things. You're going to either be judged on what Christ did mm-hmm. to fulfill the law, or you're going to be judged on what you didn't do to fulfill the law. <laughs> because the aspect is the law is the judge, right? So if Jesus fulfilled all the law and did every crossed every T and dotted every I, and then He takes and gives that to our credit. As what they we that's what we understand in Christian theology to be is that we are credited to be righteous because of what he's done. If we don't have that, we are an unregenerate man with no coverage, and we have to live up to the law on our own accord. And that's what we will fall short in. And so when we keep talking about the law, when we're talking about the law, we had discussed earlier that the law was more than just the Pentateuch, more than just the five books, because although the law is summed up, you know, when when Jesus was asked to, to, to give, you know, what's the greatest law? And he said, look, all the law is summed up in these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it also. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when he was summing those up, he wasn't just giving us a brief summary. He was also piercing to the very core of what the law even means. Right. So when God wrote the law down, he had he had a, a, a threefold purpose for it, the, which I really like the, the threefold understanding of the law. When God wrote the law down, the threefold purpose of the law is that it is to be a mirror. When, when uh, Paul talks about the law coming, he actually talks about in many ways, sin wasn't the same before the law. Sin, of course, still was because there was death and because there was judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah, like we had already established, were judged based on edicts that God would technically not write down for another, what, 500,000 years? I don't know. It was a long time, right? And yet Sodom and Gomorrah and many other places like it were judged on the essence of the law. But then the law came. Well, and here's an important thing. Uh, let me finish this future thing because mm-hmm. this list mm-hmm. is dangling out there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Eternal judgment, perpetual punishment for sin. That yes. is the ultimate end game 
for someone who does not know Jesus Christ in their existence. Mm -hmm. So with that side, going back to the law, where you said, where did it come from? Why? Well, God is not a God of disorder. So mm -hmm. he has laws and rules written in the very essence of nature. Okay? Yeah, and they flow from him. And many scientists have already defined it. They put mathematical equations to the things that already govern, you know, the biology and govern geology and the weather and everything else. So that it's not that there's we're without rules and regulations. God had always had them from the start. Mm -hmm. And he only gave, you know, he gave Adam and Eve one law. And that was their law. Mm -hmm. You know, don't eat from that tree. Right. Then Noah, he also talked about don't eat, you know, um, animals without the cloven, you know, the hoof type of thing. And don't kill either, because if you kill, you'll be killed. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So there's some laws that were existing there. God's motivation for mankind, the essence of why even laws would be made, was already there, as Lance said. God's in, and a lot and, and those people back then prior to Moses. Now, the law came, as I said, when we opened the show up. It came to Moses on Mount Sinai mm -hmm. uh, through the primarily through the Ten Commandments, and then was continually told to uh, to Moses over the time that they were uh, shortly after that experience, where it came into the Levitical systems, mm -hmm. the sacrificial mm -hmm. systems, the how, to, how to set up the tabernacle, and yes, the Holy Holy, yes, and all of those, and things. that was so that God would find would come down and dwell with his people it was giving the people something to fix their gaze upon mm -hmm. in the midst of a very crooked and perverse and pagan land you know? so so imagine this for a second you you god has a people that he said that he's going to he wants them to fix him in their minds but god very obviously can't make a golden calf and be like, hey, make a statue of me. In fact, that's one of the things that he says absolutely you cannot do. And this is not just him sort of arbitrarily being like, don't make a statue of me. He knew, he knows that you can't represent him at all. We cannot represent him. And any representation would actually divert our attention away from him, not towards him. So since he is so far above and away from us and we cannot have any representations of of him then all of our attempts to represent him confound our minds don't get any, anywhere near who he is so when he comes to tabernacle with us it, it seems so bizarre the way that he comes to tabernacle with the jewish people but that all of it was absolutely necessary for the holy god who he is who is so far other than us because if because, because again, all of these other nations would create these representations of effectively demonic or demon, you know, gods, right? Lowercase g. And they were all so simplistic, so flat and basic. And God laughs at them. Well, they mean they, nothing. They appealed out of the list of what we talked about, the fallen nature of man. Yeah. You worship the create creature or creation, not God himself. Um, the idea that, uh, again— God puts in the hearts of man through conscience. And, and, and I would argue that David, or con conscience before Moses, you know, the, and the patriarchs, and going back even to the flood days, that there was a conscience placed in people. Oh, yeah. And they either yeah. had to choose to deaden it or not. And we know that Noah, before the flood, had a conscience towards God. Mm -hmm. And he was the only one that was found seemingly that way, right? So, so here you have Noah, uh, God just decided to destroy the world. 
And we don't know how advanced that world was because I would argue it was extremely advanced. Okay. Yeah. I mean, think about if we all lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, we'd have a little bit more time to make some progress. God had to judge the world based on some system that man was falling short. I would argue man was falling short because of a depraved mind and Mm. disobedience to God and all of those things. So so here he destroyed the world. Noah comes on the other side of the flood. Fresh, fresh, brand new start for mankind. However, it didn't last long Mm. because what was the fundamental thing that wasn't dealt with? The heart. The heart and the the problem with sin and and a fallen man. Yeah. Yeah. So you had the continual perpetuation of the depravity that continued after that. Mm -hmm. For in due time, God decided he chose, he chose a person, namely Abraham. Mm-hmm. Out of the and it's insignificant clan, yeah, he just that he says, "I'm making a covenant with you, <laughs> and I'm gonna, and even though you break it, I'm not going to." Yeah, yeah, and, and we need to way, go into that. That that is yeah. the start of the giving of the law. It was the covenant right. of Abraham. So he right? he decides, "I'm going to even make this in blood," because again, covenants had to be done in blood because yes. it meant. That was what sealed the deal, so to say. Uh-huh. So the animals were were divided in half, and Abraham kind of checked out and passed out or something, and God walked through it. Yeah. So so Didn't covenants even allow Abraham to walk through it. Covenants back in that day, especially between kings, would be done by uh, both parties vowing their covenant, and then they would walk through uh, a line of chopped in half animals with blood spotted everywhere. Because this is effectively saying, this is what's going to happen to one of us if either one of us breaks this covenant. So so, so Abraham checking out, I would argue, is not just a happenstance. It was God saying, Sit down. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. I'm walking through this. If you walk through this, that means you will have to die. Yeah, your blood will have to be spilled. Because you're not going to be able to keep the covenant. He was saying, I'm keeping this covenant and it will cost me my blood. Precisely. So then you have the aspect of the covenant with Abraham and the promised seed that was supposed to come. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we start hearing in scripture, in the law part, we start hearing about a seed. A seed of do what? To save the people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you have this notion that, okay, here God himself makes a covenant with man that he's going to, he's the one that's going to die if it ever gets broken. Whether, and man broke the covenant. Yeah, pretty <laughs> shortly afterwards, quite honestly. <laughs> so, and then, so he picks out Abraham mm-hmm. to be that progenitor of the Hebrews, the called out ones. Mm-hmm. And then we know that they become the Jewish nation and they have a turbulent time just like any other people. And they have quite a few turbulent yeah, times. <laughs> but the one thing that's very important to realize is the law was given to them specifically as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Ten Commandments, you have other ordinances, you have ceremonial laws, you have moral laws, you have things regulating society down to the how far you should walk on Sabbath, you know? You also have uh, the Levitical priesthoods that that how and when they should be interceding for the sins of man and different types of sin offerings and grain offerings and and uh, and and beverage offerings. All of these things were meant to symbolize covering the people in a way that was still insufficient, but yet commanded by God to do. So, doesn't that lead us to our next question of what the law? 
Well, I mean, maybe is so the law intended the law? to say? If it was insufficient, yeah. why didn't it come about? And yeah. why didn't it would come God about it so late? Why didn't it just start in the garden? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like right afterwards, God's like, here's the Ten Commandments, keep this and you live. Exactly. No, no, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. So, so why were we given this law that much later Peter would be like, we couldn't keep it anyways. Why are we trying to burden these, these Gentiles with something that we could never keep? You know, the law was given, I believe, and the scriptures, I think, point this out to show mankind how exceedingly sinful they are. Okay. Because the the first purpose of the law is to be a mirror. That it does. It shows the mirror. It shows where we fall short. It does all of a sudden start counting against mankind in every sin, because it's now you're violating a law and you're storing up wrath, okay? And then secondly, the law was given to provide salvation for mankind. Oh, that's an interesting statement. Oh, so you're saying that if we could perfectly... the law was given by the Jewish people who meticulously Uh kept it. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus came back... What was his whole purpose? One of his large part of his purpose was to tear down all the extra things that were added to it that had nothing to do with the intentions that God had, Mm -hmm. but had everything to do with the plan that he had placed forward. Mm -hmm. So the law was given to mankind to show how bad he was, but also as a way out of the sin. Mm -hmm. Because theoretically, if you kept the law and didn't violate any of the... The uh, the ordinances you'd have eternal life. Let's let's be careful with that statement though, because we're not talking about not violating it, violating any ordinances, uh, just by you know you got this list and you're checking it off. You're like no no no, you would have to do it so perfectly that even down to the very core of your heart, you never even had a errant motivation for keeping or, the law. or evil thought, right? Or evil thought of any kind ever. None. You had you'd have that's to have a violation of the law. You'd have yeah motivate you. You couldn't even think about things that were bad like that. Okay, because you would be sinning in your mind. Mm-hmm. So Paul writes in Romans two: For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law uh, who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who did not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written in on their heart, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting, uh, conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And he says that um, I was trying to look for the part where he says that it was by the coming of the law that sin was inflamed all the more, mm-hmm. right? So before the law was given, sin actually had a muted presence in a sense, in a sense, right. you know, in in the man in mankind. But it's like whenever you tell a toddler, don't open the cover. Don't do that. What do they do? Open the cover. You tell them not to do something and oh, they're going to do it. And that's the way it is with mankind in general. God gave us a law and the law actually made things worse. It 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 made it made the presence and reality of sin worse. All the more real. So you have that aspect that the law served that purpose, okay, to mm-hmm. expose sin for what it really was and to reckon it to man's account, storing up wrath, okay? Mm-hmm. But 
it also provides a way for man's salvation. And the only way, because the law couldn't be disappeared, you couldn't disappear the law. Okay? Yeah. The law was part of God's ordinances and commandments. So if he got done away with it on his own accord, he would admit, oh, I made a mistake. Okay. Yeah. So he couldn't do that because mm-hmm. he's perfect. Right. So the way that he could not be uh, drawn up and in, in, in his infinite way, and I don't know, this is my conjecture here. Jesus had to have a perfect law to fulfill because that perfect law led to salvation. And and he fulfilled he, every He did say that the law jot. was perfect. Yes. He he, uh, he said it. One it was like the law not a jot or tittle will be done away with. And it was perfect when it was written down mm-hmm. just because mankind couldn't live up to it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it was not perfect. Right. But it means it was insufficient for man because in man's mind, in his heart, in his motivations, he could never fulfill it because it took God himself to do yeah. that. Yeah. I That's mean, Jesus, Jesus said it over and over again. He's like, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It's like, whoa, Jesus, come on. What are we doing here? You, I can't do that. And yes, he does know that. Yeah. You know? So the law sets up man mm-hmm. in a way that he cannot escape his sin. Right. Okay. Um, And I, again, the law came to show man how exceedingly sinful he is, but also reading Hebrews, you can see where the law was changed. A new covenant was made. The old covenant had to be done away with. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. the covenant of Abraham. Mm -hmm. It was the covenant with Moses. It had to be done away with so that the new Testament, the new covenant was in place by a better priesthood, through a better sacrifice, mm. through a better way. So it, Jesus writes on that exact note, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is all, all, until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever la- relaxes one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does, not, does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Very important. And, yeah. and again, so here we find ourselves. Uh, we're going to be talking next week about the gospel. And the gospel is by and large the fulfillment of the law. Yeah, we've given a lot of bad news. Yeah. Today. So, you know, here you have this problem that we still have this thing called the law. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be totally done away with until Jesus Christ comes back and sets up his own system. And then now we're getting into the prophecy in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it's in place still for those without Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. without the robe of righteousness placed on him that makes mm-hmm. him invisible to the condemnation that is that is rightfully due to a, a sinner. And those people out there that are not saved, the law is your judge, whether you want to believe in it or not. It is a very, very big reality. So we look at nations' leaders, we look at civilizations, we look at culture, the modern day news cycles, all of those people out there, if they are without Christ, they have the law reckoning every deed they're doing. Whether it's justified and, or unjustified. And we remember the way Paul put it is that if they if they didn't have the law, 
and they sinned outside of the law, they became a law unto themselves. Mm-hmm. And what that means is not that he they get to decide however they want to live, but that the law was is is written on their heart, their conscience. They know they shouldn't live that way. Yes, but they do it anyway. Somebody hasn't heard the law doesn't right. mean that they. That are is off no the hook. excuse, right? No, it's it's all those that. It's even worse when you actually have the ruler in your hand. Okay? Yeah, yeah. When you have the law and yeah. you can see it before you, that's much that. worse. When you're like, oh, I'm, I'm still not going to do that. But at the same time, that that feeling inside, which, by the way, I I read a book a long time ago, um, and it was it had to do with different implements of uh, capital punishment shall we say, throughout all of history. And the thing that really stunned me about that book was how universal it was that people, uh, that, that cultures would say things like, well, murder is wrong. You, thou shalt not murder. Well, stealing is wrong. Thou shalt not steal. Well, adultery is wrong. Thou shalt not. And we're talking cultures that are as far away from Judeo-Christian as we could imagine, just pocket African cultures, you know, Middle Eastern cultures. Well, that's probably pretty close, but Asian cultures would just have these these laws that just thinking, well, where did you get that? And it's like, well, huh, I wonder where you got that, right? Right? It's just as real as as the law of gravity. Right, right. People will accept it or reject it. And it's based on their own depraved mind Mm -hmm. and how much... They've sold themselves out. And I sin. I can't find the passage. I'm gonna I'm kicking myself for not looking this up. But there's a passage in the Bible where I think it was either Jesus or Paul that was talking about the fact that if that when we are judged, if somehow you could say that we were that we never had the law. What why no, you never told me what to do, then God will be like Fine, and I'm paraphrasing, super paraphrasing. He'll be fine, and he'll he'll be like he'll take like an invisible recorder off of your uh, or from around your neck and say, "Let's just look at all the times that you told somebody else, don't do this, and you did it yourself." You know, and I, I so butchered law, that, but so I remember reading it somewhere. In the so Bible. the law basically will uh, be our judge. Yes. We either have Jesus as our judge, or we have the law as our judge. One of the two. We would rather have Jesus as our judge. Okay, because if we have his righteousness on us, we are, you hear the well done, good and faithful servant, right? And you enter your rest. We also know there's a great white throne judgment at the end mm-hmm. where all, all everybody's deeds will be brought up and they will be judged on whether or not they were good or bad and where you're at with Christ. And everything mm-hmm. is Anything, any iniquity found gets you cast in the lake of fire, which is forever punishment. So we have a great question that buttresses perfectly into what you were saying. It's from Olivia White. And she says, so you're saying that the Old Testament law is something we are still judged by? Does the Old Testament law include Levitical, Leviticus law? No. We're judged by the law of Christ. Okay. Um. As and is she talking about people who are unbelievers? Uh, I think that she's from what I'm reading. So you're saying that the Old Testament law is something we are still judged by. It kind of feels like, and Olivia, you might clarify this a bit. It kind of feels like what she's saying is, are we supposed to still be keeping the law? Right. Right. Well, if from a believer's point point of view, just read Hebrews. And that will help you understand where where things have changed. If I'm an unbeliever, everything, every act of disobedience to God 
which is recorded in the law of God. And I would also argue even God's um, moral judgments in, in nature and such. I mean, the conscience that's already in our heart will condemn us. And you read that mm -hmm. passage yeah. where it says, um, even those that don't know the law, they obey the law because they obey the conscience which is inside of them. Nobody is going to stand and say, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I didn't know that was a sin. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. So why did you tell other people yeah. not to do that? So so mm. my, the way I would answer that, that question is that I would look, you got to look at morality and ethics yeah. as ultimately flowing from God, okay? And you got to think about it as the very baseline, the very lowest part of our morality and the ethics just flow from God. And that is the, the baseline conscience of what we know is right and wrong. But then what God did was he placed a law on top of that that flowed from that, right? right? And it sort of, and it simmered up and here's the Levitical law with a lot of, and some of dietary the, laws. Some of the things she's probably talking about is the dietary Yeah, yeah, laws. a lot of dietary the, laws, the, how you can dress, you can't- bathing eat. laws. Yeah, yeah, uh, you've and, gotta do all, all these things. I, I, I'm, what that did was, it was a, was a lens that showed, it pointed into that lower layer. And then that was the old covenant and then Jesus Christ comes, new covenant, and it doesn't do away with the Old Testament law, it fulfills it. Really important distinction. And some, and we, it's, it's important to realize too, that the law that was given to Moses, mm -hmm. there's the moral aspects, there's the ceremonial, the priest mm -hmm. aspects. So we know that, um, and, and we know that the law was given to the nation of Israel in many right, ways. Right. So there's so much that goes to the nation of Israel right. with the idea that you're gonna be separate and not eat milk with right. uh, goat with, with meat. You know mm -hmm, what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that that to me is like, okay, so somebody who lives in India who does isn't gonna be judged because they mix their their, their well, goat in their milk. Before we were on the show, I pointed out that in any good storytelling form, if you focus the the audience on like say a gun that's hanging on the wall, if you're a good storyteller, by the third act, that gun is gonna be going off. And it's that's important. So what then did God do? He focused us on all of these laws, right? He focused on all these laws. He said, do all these things, do them perfectly, don't fail. And then we kept failing. We're like, what do we do, God? And then he said, all right, here's my son. And we can't get into this too much, but the point is that, the for instance, the dietary laws, as an example, dietary laws, as Christians, we don't have to follow them. Why? Because they are perfectly fulfilled and they found their finished fulfillment in the Lord's sacrifice. They have found their purpose. Now, does this also apply to moral laws? Well, why can't we just be homosexual, right? We can do that. That's a, nope, that's not the same thing. That has not found its completion. That has, the arc of that is still here, not here. Well, you know where that will find its completion? In the final judgment. So Olivia says back, she says both. So she's asking about how it affects us as believers as yes. well. Yes. So, and here's where, where the law changes a bit because we're not judged by the law. If we try to live under the Levitical law or we live under the, the old uh, covenant, right? Mm -hmm. That was given to Moses. We're going back under a curse because yeah. under that system, there is no form of salvation. Okay. No yeah. savior there. Okay. Right. It's based on your ability to fulfill what that. Means. And that's already been proven that you can't do it. Right. So, but then Paul also addresses, well, then if we're under grace, shall Shall we sin more just so grace abounds and that we don't have to do about do worry about the law? No, because when we're believers and we get saved, it doesn't mean that we become 
without sin. Mm-hmm. Sin is no longer reckoned to us as an as an eternal punishment, as something that's or even a master that we can never get away from. Yes, or something because we're we a we died to ourselves. Yes, remember I ta- told you early on this is the only way that a person can escape the power and the power of sin is to die. Well, mm-hmm. Jesus did that for us, and even though he he died, and we went and died with him through baptism as a symbolism, right? Mm-hmm. We now are no longer under the power of sin. Right. So we do not, we are considered a dead man, according to Paul. And that's what we should reckon ourselves, dead to sin, alive to Christ. We are so, not slaves to sin. We're not slaves. We are slaves to, slaves to righteousness, right. which seems like an odd statement does when you think about it. Does that mean that we can still sin? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. But oh, does yeah. it mean that we have a righteousness that will help us if we repent? Yes, and I would even and on argue, top of that, I would even argue, you know, we're in we're in in God. You know what I'm saying? In Christ, nobody's taken him out of his hand. You know, there mm-hmm. is a there is a, a surety in that. Yes, because again, our admission to God's salvation wasn't based on anything that we did. No. Okay. Well, we can't get we're, we might so, get ahead of ourselves yeah, here. Right. Okay. <laughs> but you know, if you want to finish, you can finish. Yeah, I'm just but, I mean, with you. so it's it's something that even though we sin. Uh huh. We are able to ask for forgiveness. We're able to mm-hmm. we're able to take the perpetual atonement, the sacrifice mm-hmm. that that God said now exists because before you had the lamb that was slain once a year and you had to go through the ceremony and it yet doesn't want it enough to cleanse the sins of the people. But now we have a new priest, we have a new sacrifice, and we have a blood that is perpetually cleansing us from our sins so that we are covered. And the Bible calls us slaves of righteousness. Right. That is no idle statement. When Paul wrote that, that is no idle statement. We are actually, as Christians, slaves of righteousness. What does that mean? That means that the forever tug, the thing that the, the thing that's going to pull us hardest is going to, and it's going to gradually get more and more as the Christian might find themselves in deeper sin. There their anguish will only grow, right? right? So if 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 a slave of sin finds themselves deeper in sin, what's going to happen? They're going to find a way to revel in it. They're going to be happy. They're going to be like, okay, this, uh, yes, I know I shouldn't do this, but screw that. I'm going to do it and I'm going to love it. But as a, cri- a Christian, if a Christian finds themselves deeper in sin, then they're not going to find happiness there. But in fact, they're going to find misery upon misery, which is going to go deeper and deeper until they break and and they have to flee as hard as they can from it. So the law in the moral sense continues on, okay? We're not discounting the fact that you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't Mm -hmm. rob. Those are are practices in place for all of us, okay? James would talk about that, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. But there is also that we get to a point as a believer that – if we're sinning so much, right, that we are just become, we're grieving God, the Holy Spirit, mm. because we're a believer, mm-hmm. and yet we continue to sin. Paul, uh, John talks about this. He says, there is a sin unto death. Mm. And he's talking mm. about to believers. Mm-hmm. So do I believe that we can, this is my personal interpretation, uh, do I believe that we can sin so much and then God says you're done? Because you keep you keep at this. You're continually, you know, you're becoming not a witness. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. For me, um, a time in my life as I'm 50 some years old, I mean, there's times in my life that I, I felt distant and from God and I didn't do the right things. And and yet um, that the conscience inside of me 
with the moral guidance that God put inside me, you know, I'm able to realize, okay, I can, I'm out of this. Not because I stopped necessarily sinning, but I, I stopped believing the fact that I had to. Mm. Or that it was something that was that I had no control over, mm. you know. Yeah. When we have control over sin because of Jesus, you know, we can overcome. <laughs> I mean, we're not we don't have in. to live in that no, existence. We don't. Yeah, it's it's about a mindset sometimes, you know. That's that's in, we need to remember who we are. And whenever I deal with sin in my own life, and whenever I deal with sin in other people's lives, as they you know as as they're struggling with sin, I always try to remind myself and them. Remember who you are as a Christian. We, we easily forget who we are. We easily forget what Christ has done for us. And we forget what God has made us into. And that forgetness, that forgetfulness is part of what's driving our fall into sin, right? Our, our, our basically uh, violation of the law, if you will. And let's but, come back to the Abrahamic covenant. Yes. And Abraham. Yes. What was the basis of the covenant that what was what what was Abraham's side of the bargain? Faith. <laughs> That's what his bargain was. God reckoned him righteous because of what? Faith. His faith. Right. That was what even Jesus was referring to because 400 years before the law was given the faith covenant was in place mm -hmm. and was never done away with. Yeah, that's that's an important point here because uh, when we read through the, the, the New Testament, especially when we read Paul in Romans, he's like, well, wasn't Abraham saved by works? Because, you know, the, the Jews of the day were arguing that. They were like, well, wait a second, Abraham was saved by works. And Paul was like, nah, he was not saved by works. He was saved by faith. That's how he was saved. He was saved because the works came from his faith. And then James actually argues the exact same thing. When James is talking about justification and faith, he's talking about the justification of faith. The point of James is to say, will your faith without works save you? Well, that's not a faith at all. He said the proof of faith is the works. And so therefore, when we, when we see Abraham, when we see Isaac, when we see Jacob, when we see those Old Testaments, and we see the Hall of Heroes in, uh, in Hebrews, we see a Hall of Faith. That and Paul's like, look, that's the point. It's always been faith. It's never been the you know do X, Y, and Z, and then you can check off your box of salvation. It's always been right. do faith. But those who have faith are going to do the law. Right. And 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 that is where. Oh, what's the time? Oh, we're running late. Okay. Fine. Well, that's <laughs> the whole point of leading into next week's or yes. next month's topic. Yes, next month. The gospel, because the gospel is built off of faith. Mm -hmm. Not the works. Yes. Man. Yes. And I we're think, saved by grace through faith. Yeah. It's always been that so. Way. We we will be coming back with a a guest. Lord we will. We will. And we will um, talk about the glorious gospel. Yes. And we've laid out for those who are listening um, the the terrible consequences of what the fall did to mankind, mm -hmm. and the things that were reckoned unto man. Uh, through that fall, and then by adding the law, it even just added more to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, we had uh, we see that, and it's a very frightful existence. And we've talked about this uh, tonight about that all men fall into this, whether they want to accept it or not. It's just yeah. Yeah. way it is, and you can disagree. It's with some, it. Yeah, 
Yeah, you can disagree with all you want. Disagree with it, and you can say it's not for me. But then you're gonna turn around and be like, they did something wrong. But what do we know for sure happens to every single person in this world? They die. They die. And they're taxed. Those are only only two things. They're taxed. Yeah, Yeah. that's the only two certain things. Death and death and taxes. That's it. But well, they're taxed before they die. Why no? So there's a death before death. Yes, but before the taxing. Yes. Okay. The death happens to everybody. Yes. And then the judgment. Yes. The scriptures. Uh, the scriptures, Paul writes that it is appointed for all men that they should live and then there should be one death and then there's judgment. Yes. And then there's a perpetual eternal life. Yes. There's a perpetual eternal life either in judgment or in grace. And so this is the terrifying, awful bad news that we had to start with because that's, we, that we go back to the very beginning. What was that professor saying? What is the question? What is the question then? The how do we answer that? Is how shall man live? How shall man be That's saved? It. Yeah, how shall man be saved? Be saved from the terrible sin that we all find ourselves in, that flows from our hearts, the destruction that is that is looming over all of us. How shall we be saved? And through, then, and next the time, gospel. That's next time we will uh, we yeah. will be we'll answer that question, won't we? Yeah. So we should probably do the long and the short of it, shouldn't we? Yes, we should. Okay. Which way do we go first? Long first? Goes, okay. first. Okay, that's right. I go first. So the terrible plight of man is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The terrible plight of man is that though the law was first written on our hearts. And given to us so that we may glorify God with it, we trampled on it and said, nah, I'm not going to do that. And we do, we do that throughout our life. And we do it just so intuitively. It just pops out of us because it comes from our hearts. Our hearts are corrupt. And we, at the very core of who we are, hate God. That is the terrible and that is the, the awful news. That's the bad news. You can't have good news unless you have bad news, and that is the bad news. But the good news is that we do not have to stay there, that we don't have to be there, that we have a gospel that can save. The short of it is that all mankind faces the same dilemma, Mm. and there's choices to be made, and Mm -hmm. there's faith to be had in the living God. Um, there, this is an inescapable truth that judgment awaits everyone that does not have the blood of Christ, the Savior Jesus, as your Savior, saving you and paying the debt that you couldn't pay. Mm-hmm. Because really, that's what it is. Sin demands a sacrifice. It demands blood. And, it, and the law actually spelled out a little bit more on what it demands. And we... We had a perfect Savior who perfectly fulfilled that law. And I just want to end on Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 10. I'm just going to read that and finish with that because I think Hebrews really talks really good and it's a good segue into our next show. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year, year continually make the comers there unto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? 
because that the worshipers once purged should have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me, to do thy will, O Lord. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, to take away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we, by the which will we are set, we are sacrificed, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. Mm. Amen. That is the short of it. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. Next month is going to be fantastic and exciting, and uh, we really look forward to seeing you all next time. Um, Yes. We you we would love it if you would go to divedeep.net and you would check out our podcast or you can go to anywhere that podcasts are sold for free and we can go to Spotify, you can go to iTunes, you can go to, to Google Play. So please head over there, download our podcast and uh, go ahead and leave us an honest five-star review um, if you like reviews. it. Uh, I, we have reviews. Yeah, we have some reviews. Okay, good. So, you know. We don't have a ton of reviews, but we have reviews. You know, this is a a, a, a hobby of passion for us. You know, we really like it. So, yeah, head on over there. You can find um, blog posts. I recently posted something about sexuality, actually. Uh, it's the blog post called The Fire of Sexuality. I highly recommend you go check that out. And that's on divedeep.net. Or if you're listening to this via the podcast, you should head on over to facebook.com slash divedeeppodcast. And you can check out the live stream so you can see all of our you know, crazy movements as we're doing it. If it feels like I'm getting further away from the camera, you can be like, why is he doing that? And you can look at the the, the live stream, you can watch it and you can quickly shut it off and just listen to us. Uh, so yeah, until next time, I guess that's it. That's it. Good night, Good night. <laughs> Solideo Gloria.